and welcome back to another edition of Viper Bites as we continue on our training camp series here with our next stop being the AFC North featuring the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, and yes, those Cleveland Browns, which, yeah, they may have been making a little bit of noise here in the offseason. Some good, some bad, but we'll get into it here in a second. But before we do, take a second, hit that like, hit that notification button, hit that subscribe button, hit all those buttons here on the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us on podcast platforms, such as Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, take a second, rate and review us. Also, if you want to get yourself one of the best bang for your buck subscriptions out there right now, head to fantasypoints.com, enter promo code VIPERS22 and get 10% off that subscription today. Now let's get into it here, starting with the Baltimore Ravens. It's not often you find that the Ravens perched at the bottom of the North standings, but that is exactly what happened in the division last season. With an 8-9 record, Baltimore missed the playoffs despite having the sixth most explosive offense in the league. If Baltimore wants to reclaim this division, they're going to need to take care of business in-house after going 1-5 and within the division last season. Losing Lamar Jackson for five games certainly didn't help the cause, and neither did losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards before the season even began. Now, in 12 games last season, Lamar Jackson threw for 2,882 yards, but his touchdown-to-interception ratio was the worst of his career at 16 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. Jackson has come a long way as a passer, and he definitely doesn't get the credit that he deserves for what he does. Sure, he ran for 767 yards last season. He also went back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons in previous years. Now, I'd mention here as a passer here, Lamar Jackson – Throwing from inside the pocket on early downs outside the numbers, Jackson was as good, if not better, than any other quarterback in the league. His yards per attempt, 9.2. The success rate, 57%. The RPA per attempt, positive, 0.33. All were the tops amongst quarterbacks, while he also saw a blitz on 32% of his attempts. His 37 career wins, that is the most of any quarterback before the age of 25 since the merger. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's pretty good. So put some respect on the man's name already. And hey, I'm a huge Ty Huntley fan here. And I believe Tyler Huntley's time in Baltimore may be coming to an end because he deserves every opportunity. But Lamar Jackson is that good, okay? Now, when we talk about Ty Huntley, it's not going to be long before he finds an opportunity elsewhere. But filling in on occasion for Lamar Jackson's absence, he has shown that he has that potential. After Huntley, when we talk about this third quarterback spot, it comes down to Brett Hundley and Anthony Brown, with Brown likely ending up as a cut casualty. Now, when we look at the running backs here, no one will mistake Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, Tyson Williams, remember that name? for J.K. Dobbins, or even Gus Edwards. And unfortunately, those were the three individuals that were counted on to get the run game, run game going for the Ravens last year in the absence of J.K. Dobbins, in the absence of Gus Edwards. And it really didn't really get going here for all when it was all said and done. I mean, I don't mean to knock Freeman. 4.3 yards per carry. Heck, Latavius Murray had 4.2 yards per carry. But there was a considerable drop in talent, especially in comparison to what J.K. Dobbins is capable of doing. Dobbins, nearly a year removed from tearing his ACL, and the last time we saw him, he rushed for 805 yards and nine touchdowns while sharing the backfield with Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram. The same can be said for Edwards as well. In that 2020 season, Edwards added 723 yards on the ground, averaging five yards per carry to Dobbins and six yards per carry, with Dobbins being targeted 24 times and Edwards only being targeted 13. Early indications are the Ravens will monitor both these backs as they are both coming back from injury here. 
and there's likely going to be a 50-50 split or maybe a 60-40 split in favor of Dobbins moving forward. But we know, we saw this in 2020. I mean, when you're getting yourself five yards per carry and six yards per carry, you can split these carries and still have a successful fantasy season for those fantasy managers. Baltimore, after seeing all these injuries pile up in that backfield, they're like, hey, you know what? Let's get a little bit more insurance there. We don't want to go get ourselves Latavius Murray. We don't want to get Devontae Freeman coming on and off the street. So let's draft a guy like Tyler Batty out of Missouri in the sixth round. And then they went off and they signed a guy like Mike Davis during free agency. Davis, hey, his best days are behind him. His hype was out of control when he went to Atlanta last season where he was ineffective, averaging 3.6 yards per carry. If Tyler Batty shows any kind of explosive playmaking ability that he demonstrated in college, he will earn those reps ahead of Davis. Mark my words for it. When we look at this wide receiver situation here in Baltimore, Marquise Brown and 146 targets from last season, they are now vacated. It's probably unreasonable to believe that Rashad Bateman will absorb all these looks, but in 12 games last season, playing with Brown, Bateman did see 68 targets, which worked out to about 5.6 per contest. One player to keep a close eye on as far as receivers are going is Devin Duvernay, who may benefit the most of all of this. Not only is Brown and his 146 targets gone, but so too is Sammy Watkins, who somehow, some way, drew 49 targets last season, which happened to be two more than Duvernay. So, hey, I really like how this is lining up for the youngster. Now, it really is an open battle at that wide receiver two position. I know Devin Duvernay has that inside track, in my opinion, but James Prochet there perhaps factors in a little bit more than what I'm giving credit for. He's probably better suited as a third option as far as his receivers are concerned, and he's likely to see some time in the slot. If guys like Tylon Walls can take that next step, or even Jalen Moore, Victor Benjamin, they too could carve out a role, but I don't see that happening. But a guy I am interested in watching here throughout camp is Mekhi Polk, who led Mississippi State Bulldogs with 105 receptions, 1,046 yards, and nine touchdowns as a sophomore. Let's move this on to the tight end position. We know that there's all kinds of vacated targets. And Baltimore, this really feels like the Raiders from a couple seasons ago. Mark Andrews and his 1,361 receiving yards, 107 receptions, filling that kind of Darren Waller-esque type role, while Bateman's production is equal to what Renfro had seen at those 71 targets. Andrews is arguably the best tight end in football right now. Maybe the fifth best if you ask Darren Waller on his top five rankings. But hey, certainly for fantasy, last season he was. Finishing with 35.2 more fantasy points than the next closest tight end. He was also PFF's highest graded tight end, 91.5. And Andrews already sits fourth all time among Ravens pass catchers in receiving yards with 3,466. Sitting only behind the names of Derek Mason, Todd Heap, and Torrey Smith. Andrews, he won't be challenged for looks in 2022 from the Ravens' tight end depth chart, but they do have themselves some playmakers in the building in the likes of Isaiah Likely and Charlie Collar. While they may not be ready right now at this moment by midseason, because of the lack of depth at the receiver position, both these tight ends could see themselves earning themselves more opportunities to get on the field, more reps. Baltimore's defense took a step back in 2021. They weren't exactly still in fear in their points like yesteryear. Their pass defense gave up more yards than any other team, and that is the secondary. They included guys such as Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Chuck Clark. They added some much-welcomed help in the forms of rookie Kyle Hamilton and veteran safety Marcus Williams, so there should be massive improvement there. And I'm already hearing noise right now that this may be the best secondary in the National Football League, but hey, I'll believe it when I see it. 
Now, when we talk about the next team on the list here, the Cleveland Browns, things certainly have been interesting, to say the least, in Cleveland as of late. Browns management managed to alienate a quarterback who was thrown for at least 3,000 yards in each of the first four seasons there. Signed a quarterback with serious legal allegations, seemed to continue to add up, and they gave it all to him as a fully guaranteed contract. We don't even know if Deshaun Watson is going to play in 2022. Now, Cleveland ranked 18th in total offense last season, so you can see why they were looking at some pieces. But this feels like they're trying to basically shove a square peg into a round hole. And management, if they shove hard enough, they're hoping it might eventually fit. I don't see it happening. Now, who will be that starter in week one? Baker Mayfield, he's already been excused from all activities. If you've listened to him talk, it, he is done in Cleveland. There is no going back. The Browns, they have yet to release him. They have yet to find a trade partner. So I don't know what's going on as far as Baker Mayfield is concerned. But if Baker Mayfield hits them open market, there's going to be plenty of teams there knocking on the door to sign him. Now, Deshaun Watson has more allegations, more legal issues arising, and could miss significant time due to suspension. We're hearing it as a potential year. I don't know what that's looked like. I'm not a legal guy. I'll leave that to guys like Drew Davenport to kind of, uh, kind of break that all down for you. But there is a guy named Jacoby Brissett who threw for 1,283 yards, completing 62.7% of his passes last season in Miami, while Tua Tagovailoa missed some time. Watson, he looks like the starter right now. If you look at everything right now, you have to pencil him in as a starter. We don't know where he's going to be in 2022. I don't see him playing. I don't see a way in which he gets on the field in 2022. I really don't. The NFL is seeking that max suspension, that indefinite suspension. I don't see Watson playing in 2022. And we have to assume that Baker Mayfield's gone. That da- that relationship, that is already damaged beyond any kind of repair. So I think it's going to be Jacoby Brissett under center to start the season. And he's going to probably finish the season more than likely. Being that bridge gap quarterback is nothing new for Brissett. He's done it wherever he has been. He has seen, he's, and he's been serviceable. And this is what the Browns offense can do, similar to what they're hoping to do with Deshaun Watson. Brissett can do some similar type things going forward. It doesn't take rocket science to back up Brissett, but in the event that the Browns have to, they literally have a rocket scientist in Joshua Dobbs already lined up to do this. Now, running back Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt are ready to run it back once again in this Browns backfield. Chubb led the way rushing last season with 1,259 yards while averaging 5.5 yards per carry. It's easy to see why many consider Chubb one of the best pure runners in the game today. Meanwhile, Hunt averaged 4.9 yards per carry in his eight contests, and that all those carries, that added up to 386 yards on the ground. When both Chubb and Hunt missed time, the Ernest Johnson stepped in, and he continued to dominate here in this Browns backfield. This Browns offensive line, they love to run the ball. And Johnson, he would go on to average 5.3 yards per carry and take advantage of every opportunity that he got last season. Johnson earned his touches ahead of the camp. It'll be interesting to see how involved he's going to be with that Chubb-Hunt rotation. The other running back here for the Browns is Demetric Felton. He can line up in the backfield. He can bounce out to the slot, which is where he's probably likely going to be used. Now, I'm really interested to see how the Browns managed to get Jerome Ford involved. Ford could very well be the back that could make Hunt expendable once free agent hits after this season. The Browns still want a good look at what they got here in Ford. So maybe mid-season, maybe towards the back end, we're going to see a little bit more Jerome Ford than maybe a lot of people are anticipating right now. So he's a good guy to get in those fantasy drafts towards the back end, kind of that free bingo type slot. 
And wide receiver, well, we look at these pass catchers. I can't help but still question who is going to start in week one and how long that's going to be. It's affecting all my decisions as I eventually avoid drafting any Browns pass catch because I don't know who is going to be throwing them the ball. Hopefully we get a little bit more clarification here prior to camp starting, cap concluding here before your fantasy drafts go on right now. But right now, I think you have to temper expectations on all these Browns pass catches just because of the uncertainty at the quarterback position. After trading Odell Beckham Jr. last season, the Browns, they were in search of a true number one receiver to play along with Jarvis Landry. Well, they got that receiver in Amari Cooper. However, Landry no longer wanted to be a Brown. Cooper no longer has to compete for targets with C.D. Lamb or Michael Gallup or even Dalton Schultz. The drop-off in competition is significant, while the likes of guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, and David Onjuku are still there. I think you can see a heavy, heavy usage of Amari Cooper here in 2022. Cooper is going to be that primary pass catcher, whether it's Brissett, whether it's Watson under center, whether it's Joshua Dobbs, for crying out loud. There's already a good chance that he improves on his fantasy wide receiver 28 season that he posted last season. If you're looking for a guy to grab late in drafts, Peoples-Jones is a nice late-round target in fantasy drafts as a player who's able to make some big splash plays and stretch defenses. Now, fun fact, DPJ, he led the Browns in receiving yards last season, even though Landry had 29 more targets. Who's next? Will it be David Bell? Will it be the speedster Anthony Schwartz? Both receivers offer completely different skill sets. Schwartz is that burner, while Bell is more of that possession type receiver in the national football league i kind of like bell let's be honest with this he does a lot of good things there coming out of purdue that i think are going to translate very well in the national football league i know possession is just a loose translation i'm very well aware that david bell averaged 13.8 yards per reception as a junior and bell will break tackles pick up yards after the catch i just don't see him running very many go routes every single snap a tight end all a tight end. I still can't believe David Nojoku got paid four years, $56.75 million. I guess the Browns are kind of hoping he can live up to the contract and are paying him in advance. By the way, nothing wrong with getting paid in advance. Hey, secure that bag when you can. If Cleveland manager is looking for someone who hasn't really produced and willing to give him money, hey, I got my hand up. I, I can suit up for a couple million dollars a year. Now, all kidding aside, Nojoku's stat line over five years, Reads as follows, 1,754 yards, 15 touchdowns. O.J. Howard, who many are calling a complete bust, just inked a deal for $3.5 million after producing, here we go, 1,737 yards and 15 touchdowns in five seasons. Same guy! Now, while Nojuku may be paid as one of the top tight ends in the league, he and Harrison Bryant will be battling it out for targets. Nojoku in 2021 caught 26 of 53 passes for four touchdowns. There's $56 million well spent and 475 yards. Well, Bryant caught 21 of 28 targets, 233 yards and three scores. Talk about this defense now for the Browns. It ranked in the top 12 in points against and rushing yards while also being able to hold offenses to the fifth fewest passing yards, which earned the Browns a top five defense and total yards against in 2021 hey there's talent all over this defense miles garrett jadavian Clowney, they're both back they're terrorized quarterbacks they added guys like chase winovich there and stephen weatherly they're going to be relieving them from time to time in that rotation you got playmakers at that second level anthony walker jamaria wasso kormoa uh patrolling the middle i mean who's going to come in after them you got uh taki taki there tony fields jacob phillips all biting for some opportunities here that we're going to see in camp with the cincinnati Bengals. 
It was only a few short months ago when we saw the Bengals losing the Super Bowl to the Los Angeles Rams. For Cincinnati, reaching the Super Bowl was great and all, but many feel they were a little ahead of schedule, meaning with their young core still intact for the foreseeable future, we likely haven't seen the last of the Bengals in the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. For Burrow, he was sacked 51 times last season. So the Bengals said, you know what? Let's, let's, let's invest in this offensive line here a little bit. Enter guys like Ted Karras there at center. Right guard, Alex Kappa. Right tackle, Al Collins. They have secured some bodies up front for Joe Burrow, who did some pretty good things despite being sacked 51 times. If Burrow could complete 70.4% of his passes, throw for 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns, when he doesn't have time, what do you think he's going to do when he has time? Seriously, 15 passes of more than 40 yards. You give him time to find Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that yardage is going to add up in a hurry. Brandon Allen, he's back. He's going to be holding that clipboard down. Jake Browning, I don't even know if he's going to make this 53-man roster, so he's probably going to be kind of hidden on that practice squad, hopefully, if you're the Bengals. And running back, there are plenty of bodies heading to this camp as well. Joe Mixon. Samaji, Chris Evans, Trevion Williams, Elijah Holyfield. Now, both Williams and Holyfield had prolific college careers. Williams, 1,760 rushing at 6.5 yards per carry in his junior season. Holyfield, no slouch himself, 1,018 yards on the ground, 6.4 yards per carry his junior season. That said, neither has gained any traction in the NFL, and one of them certainly will be on the shortlist to potentially be cut here this offseason. Now, let's turn our attention to some studs here. Joe Mixon. Woo! One of my favorite running backs in the league this season. He is being regarded as one of the top five all-around backs in the game after putting up 1,500 scrimmage yards and averaging 4.6 yards every time he touched the ball last season. Mixon's 16 touchdowns were tied for fourth last season, along with Cooper Cup. Now, ahead of Mixon and Cup, you saw guys like James Conner, 18 touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, 20 touchdowns. Austin Eckler, 20 touchdowns. That's how good, how elite Joe Mixon was. Mixon will absolutely be in line once again for 300-plus carries, 50 targets, especially with these upgrades along the offensive line. This is going to be an explosive offense, and they're going to have the ball, and they're going to possess it even longer. It's scary to think only Mixon and Jonathan Taylor had more had more than 1,000 yards after contact last season. Joe Mixon stock through the roof. Now show me another trio of pass catchers. Better than the combination of Chase, Higgins and Boyd. I'll wait. Okay, I'm not going to wait any longer. But hey, with everything the Bengals did to address this offensive line, it is possible that we see three players from the same team all record 1,000 yards, which would be the first time since 2008 when Larry Fitzgerald, 1431, Aquan Bolden, 1038, and Steve Breston, 1006, accomplished his feat. Heck, that was back with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, only the 04 Colts with Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Brandon Stokely, the 95 Falcons with Eric Metcalf, Terrace Marshall, and Brett Emanuel, the 89 Washington squad there with Art Monk, Ricky Sanders, and Gary Clark, and the 1980 Chargers with Kellen Winslow, John Jefferson, and Charlie Joyner have previously accomplished this feat, which I think the Cincinnati Bengals trio is more than capable of doing here in 2022. Should any of these receivers miss time in this, this upcoming season here? It gets pretty thin pretty quickly with Trent Taylor, Mike Thomas. No, not that Mike Thomas. Stanley Morgan all vying for the title as next man up. Personally, I am rooting for Javon Halai there to make a little bit of noise in camp and maybe earn himself some uh, reps moving forward. 
tight end wise. CJ Uzama and his 49 catches, 493 yards, decided to secure that bag in New York during free agency. So the Bengals had to go out and replace them with the former Falcon, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, he was kind of designated as somewhat of a bust with the Falcons, recording just 230 receiving yards on 26 receptions last year. But the season prior to Pitts arriving in Atlanta, Hurts caught 56 passes for 571 yards and six touchdowns. In this Bengals offense, I think there's a potential to see a Hurst revival as far as it pertains to fantasy. Behind Hayden Hurst, Drew Sample. Hey, he was pretty solid as a number two there. You got Mitchell Wilcox. You got Nick Eubanks. You got Burrow's former Tiger teammate there, Thaddeus Moss, looking to try and make this roster. On defense, is there more of an underrated edge rusher than Trey Hendrickson? 14 sacks last season, 13 and a half the season prior, three forced fumbles, 12 tackles for loss, 27 quarterback hits last season, becoming a pro bowler. And we're not talking about him. Why do we not talk about good players? It just baffles me sometimes. Now let's turn our attention to the Pittsburgh Steelers here while we got it. Pittsburgh, for the first time since 2004, the Steelers entered training camp without Ben Roethlisberger under center. In the ultra-competitive AFC, can the Steelers find another way to sneak back in the playoffs? Probably not. But hey, if the Steelers hope to repeat last year's feat of playing some playoff football, they will need to improve on that 9-7-1. Yes, that 9-7-1. They tied the Detroit Lions. They can't tie the Detroit Lions. No one likes a tie. Now, less than 10 wins is not going to get it done here this season. I guarantee... The last team securing that seventh wild card spot or whatever you want to call it, they are going to have 10 wins. This is so good of a division right now. The conference, the AFC is so good. They will also need to have a little bit more balance their scoring. And the net points, they yielded 55 more points against than they had scored last season. I mentioned that Ben Roethlisberger, he is gone. Gonzo, no more. He has stepped into the sunset, and the Steelers sure as heck weren't comfortable leaving the team in the hands of Mason Rudolph, who's still there, but now kind of slides down that depth chart as a third-string signal caller. He may start off camp as the number one, but that's certainly not going to last. Not when you got guys like Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett there battling for reps. It's only going to be a matter of time before one of these two seizes control of this offense. Now, that all being said, Mitch Trubisky, he only sees one half the field. And Kenny Pickett, he's only got the size of one man's hand, half man's hand basically going on there. Now, all kidding aside, this is going to be a battle drug out through camp before Tomlin identifies which quarterback most likely helps him win now. We know Kenny Pickett is picked to be the quarterback of the future, but right now I think I think Trubisky is this guy heading into camp right now. But it won't prevent the media from hyping this battle all camp. We're going to hear about how good Kenny Pickett is. We're going to hear about the struggles of Mitch Trubisky. In fact, when we look at this thing, Rudolph is probably the guy that we're going to hear off the get-go. But I know that Mike Tomlin, he's going to want a veteran leading this team. And Mitch Trubisky, we have seen him do this. He's played against some good defense there in the AFC North, and Trubisky does have a couple 3,000-yard passing seasons under his belt. Now, with Pickett, he was the only quarterback selected in the first round in April. He is a quarterback of the future. No one is questioning that. However, I'm not sure he can win this competition out of camp. Pickett's time will likely be determined with where the Steelers are in the playoff race. If there is a shot with Trubisky under center, they're going to stick with him. But at any point if the Steelers start to fade, Pickett era, that's going to begin almost immediately. At running back, Najee Harris at his 1,200 rushing yards only trailed Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor a season ago. And that was both playing behind basically a makeshift line there in Pittsburgh. Harris will continue to get fed the rock, both on the ground and in the passing game, where he led the league with 74 receptions and 94 targets. We've accomplished he had the most targets among the running back position. He also had the second most carries, 307. So what's left for anyone else? Short answer, 
nothing. Pittsburgh, they may try to sell you on Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, or even Trey Evans. Don't buy that. We're not into that kind of stuff. Even if they got an opportunity, there's no fantasy advantage gained with any one of those guys. So I'll be looking a little bit deeper into this backfield for maybe a hidden gem there, maybe a Jalen Warren, maybe a Mateo Durant, how these guys factor in moving forward, because they certainly, in my opinion, have more talent than the guys currently ahead of them on this depth chart. Can they receive enough touches in camp to make the most of those t- opportunity, those touches and move up that chart? That's what I want to see. Is that something that can be done? Well, well hey, camp's only a few days away. Let's get right out of here and pay attention. Now, with wide receivers, which wide receiver lines up on the left field with the most frequency? That's who you want, especially with Trubisky under center. Truth is, both Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool saw fairly even splits last season on the left side and the right side. So, really, I did look it up, but it really made no difference here. From a PPR perspective, Johnson is still going to see his targets, whether it's Trubisky, whether it's Pickett under center. Even with Ben Roethlisberger's already shoddy arm, Johnson finished with the six most receptions, 107, and the third most targets, 169. Also, how the heck does Cooper Cup get 191 targets in a season? Maybe more receivers need to go and start a breakfast club with their quarterbacks, okay? For now, Chase Claypool, he thinks he's the number three receiver in the National Football League. I don't even think he's the number three receiver on this team. But hey, you know what? Maybe he is, maybe he's not. I mean, there's a pretty good rookie that's coming up there. But for now, Chase Claypool should see the next most targets in this pecking order behind Johnson, behind Harris. But I said that rookie, George Pickens, he could make things real interesting. We know Coach Tomlin, he can handle personalities. He handles immaturity in players. So I would expect Pickens to be fine here and compete early on with Claypool, who himself has made some interesting choices this past year. A name to watch here, and one that most people certainly will, will be Kelvin Austin. And I also want to see how Kelvin Austin competes with guys like Anthony Miller, who has a little bit of a rapport there with Mitch Trubisky, going back to their days in Chicago. In three seasons in Chicago, in which Anthony Miller played 47 games, starting in 17 of them, in those contests, he would post 134 receptions on 215 targets, 1,574 yards, and 11 touchdowns while averaging 3.7 yards per reception. So Anthony Miller could be that sneaky play for if Mitch Trubisky is the starting quarterback there, that kind of that security blanket moving forward. Now, tight ends in 2021. As a rookie, Pat Fairmouth caught 60 of 79 targets, which is good enough for 13th among the tight end position. More impressive, Fairmouth only had 11 receptions after the Steelers' first five games, which means he averaged 3.4 receptions per contest over the final 11, seeing at least six targets in seven of those games. Other tight ends currently on this roster, Zach Gentry, who would go on to record 167 yards on 19 receptions, Kevin Radar there, and a little bit of, a little brother there, Cam Hayward, Connor. Pittsburgh's defense certainly won't be mistaken as the Steelers' defense of the past, that Steel Curtain is no longer. In 2021, they surrendered the 24th most yards in the league with a majority of that coming against the run. The run defense ranked dead last, 146.1 yards per game allowed. That's 2,483 on the season. That's not going to get the job done. For the Steelers, they had to address this. How they address this, priority one, the second that Miles Jack hit free agency, he was immediately scooped up by the Pittsburgh Steelers there to play alongside with Devin Bush. Is this the answer? I don't know, but it certainly can't hurt. Other areas of concern is who is going to step up for Stephen Tuitt there, who recently announced his retirement. Will it be Chris Warmly, or will this likely be more of a committee approach? I'm thinking that Tomlin, they're going to look for more of a committee approach here moving forward. Also moving forward, make sure to take go over to fantasypoints.com and to promo code VIPERS22. Get 10% off that subscription, and we're coming back at you with the next one very soon.